you've come here tonight because you know David Pierce is in the house, yeah? If we can invite him up, we'll invite David Pierce up. If you could give him a warm welcome. David's from Steiger International, and he considers BBC his home church. Him and Jody are here, and he's going to tell us all about that. But let's pray for you. God, we thank you so much for David and Jody and just their obedience to follow you. Radical obedience. And God, tonight, would you just speak through him? Hide his flesh behind the cross, and God, may we just hear you speaking to us. And just be with him. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So I was, uh, uh, had an experience where my schedule had really gotten away from me. And uh, I felt really convicted about it. Uh, in a period of four months, I had been in 15 countries. Uh, I had traveled to three separate times from Germany to Korea twice, then to Japan. And then I was in 50 different cities besides that, and then touring with my band, and it was really, I was really exhausted and really tired. And I, I, I felt like I had sinned, you know, against God, because I had allowed my schedule to become so busy. And I have a group of people that pray for me, and so I, I, I said to them, you know, I've overscheduled myself, I made my schedule too full, I'm really tired, and I have a very busy schedule ahead of me, can you pray and ask that God would give me grace to get through the rest of this stuff I have to do and, and uh, you know, because I overdid it myself. And so I asked them to pray. And so they were praying for me. And um, it was interesting because one of, one of my intercessors came back to me and said, uh, after praying about uh, this, I felt like, God wanted you to overdo your schedule. And this was, this was not what I expected. Um, and I started to think about just kind of the needs that we have around us. You know, I was talking about this morning how I met with a major pastor uh, here in New Zealand. And he was telling me about how New Zealand the, as far as people who are Jesus followers in this country, it's going the opposite direction every year. There's less and less uh, Christians in New Zealand. I think about the, the millions of people that I encounter uh, all over the world. I mean, in Europe, there's so many people that have not had the opportunity to hear about Jesus, not even one time. And I would say that's probably true here in, in New Zealand as well. There's so many people, the needs are so enormous, aren't they? And you have so many people now who are so alone. Again, I, you know how you have people who are, you go to a cafe today and people don't talk to each other. They're all on their phones. You know, it's like we've been abducted by aliens and everyone's taken our brains out and we no longer even talk to each other. One of the things that we do in our school in Germany is we have a media fast for 10 weeks, no internet for 10 weeks. You can, it's like, it's amazing the reactions you get. It's people can hardly take it, but, it, but it's like we've, we've lost contact and people actually start talking with each other. A lot of people get engaged after our school. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's all this hopelessness. And then I, I thought about a, a good friend of mine uh, that, that uh, Jody and I just talked to a couple of days ago, Cy Rogers, who is fighting for his life right now. 
um, he's, he has cancer and his cancer came back. And, and we were talking to him and Karen just a couple of days ago. And I thought about him. And I thought about uh, my life. And I thought about the fact that I am healthy. You know, that I, God has blessed me right now with good health. And then I thought, you know, we're in a war. And then, then I started to think, can you fight a war in a balanced way? I mean, are you going to win a war if you're balanced? Are you going to actually defeat an enemy in a real war if you think I have to do that in a balanced way? And everywhere I go, everywhere, you know, I talk to, I speak a lot in different churches and everyone is telling me, you want, God wants you to have a balanced life. And if you Google it, you're going to find all kinds of books telling you, you know, the, balance, the Christian life of balance. And so, I thought, what, I thought, okay, you know, what is, what is Jesus saying the subject? You know, I thought maybe I can discover if I should be living this balanced life if I just kind of look at what Jesus said about it. And this is what I, so after doing this study, this is what I discovered. Jesus said this. He said, if anyone is my follower, they must look after themselves, get plenty of rest, Always eat well, and if you can, organic. You, you should never take any risks, and you should always have lots of me time. Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't Jesus, sorry. I, my notes got mixed up. Um, Jesus said, if you are my follower, you need to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, we'll save it. To be a Jesus follower is countercultural. It's revolutionary in the true sense of the word revolutionary. Why is it that we have become so domesticated where we actually think that to be a follower of Jesus is to join society more completely and fully? Where did this crazy notion of being a Jesus follower come from? You know, and uh, one of the, our European director, Luke Greenwood, he, was, he used to be our drummer until so we managed to get rid of him because he's not that great a drummer. But uh, we were on tour and he met this Polish girl, Anya, and they fell in love and they wanted to get married. And that's cool. We're not against that. We think it's okay to be married. And so, but I said, Luke, we're on tour. And he goes, yeah, but I'd like to marry this girl. And I said, that's cool. You can marry her on tour. You know, so we're touring with a band and we, we were in Poland. And so they got married in, a, in this beautiful place in, in, uh, in Poland. And then they, we gave them like, I don't know, a, a, a day and a half. They could go somewhere after they were married. And then... They went on their honeymoon on tour with no longer my band in Southeast Turkey preaching the gospel. Now, everyone said, oh, David, that's not right. You know, when you get married, you're supposed to take the, a year off. I'm like, what? You know, they base it on some, some uh, out of context thing in the Old Testament. They're like, when you, after you get married, you're supposed to take a year off. And I don't know what you're supposed to do, just look at each other or whatever. But that is not what I see. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Paul said, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? 
run in such a way to get the prize. Paul is saying that every single one of us here is in, our, in a race. Every single one of us is called to a race. And in the race that we are called to run in, we are called to win. You are not called to be in the race. You're not called to just be a participant in the race. You are called to win. That's why Paul says this, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do, not, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. When I was in, in university, I was a, a cross-country runner, a long-distance runner on a competitive team. And I knew that if I was going to win the race, I was going to have to be more hardcore than anyone else. I was going to have to have a strict diet. I was, was going to have to train harder. If I, because I was not interested in just finishing the race, I wanted to win the race. And so I had to have a level of intensity that was not balanced. I was at the World Surfing Championship in Sydney with my wife, Jody. I wasn't, I wasn't you know, in it. I was watching it. <laughs> so, so I don't get, you know, misunderstand. But I was watching it. I was at the surfing competition. And I can't think of it. There's one uh, world-class surfer there. And he, he had this fear of the, of the big surf, you know, even though he was a very talented, world-class surfer, but he had this fear of the waves. And so he thought, the way I'm going to face my fear is when there's a big swell, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the entire night out at sea on my board. Wow, that's kind of intense, don't you think? You know, if you look at anybody, whether they're in business, you look at anybody in the world who is very successful in business, who actually accomplishes something, are they balanced? Or you look at an artist, a musician, anyone who's creative, who accomplishes something other than playing in their mother's basement, are they balanced? And these are just earthly illustrations. You know, all of this is a shadow of spiritual reality. And if I want to say to you that if you are going to experience the, God, the calling that God has for you, if you're going to win the race that God has called you to, you cannot be balanced either. You're still not convinced. Some of you are looking at me and going, I don't know, that's not a very balanced talk right now. But so, all right, I'll try to give you another example. Like, okay, so, the, so people went to Jesus and they go, Jesus, what should our attitude be in prayer? You know, they didn't know how they should be when they pray. So Jesus said, okay, let me give you an example. So he said in, in Luke eleven five, 5, um, suppose of you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing to give him to eat. And suppose he calls out from the bedroom, bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for it's at night and my family are all in bed. I can't help you, 
But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, you, you will get whatever you ask for because of your shameless persistence. Okay, so midnight, you know, back then would be much later now because now people go to, you know, back then people would go to sleep pretty much as soon as it got dark. So midnight now would be like three in the morning, three or four in the morning. Some people come to your house. You, you have no food to give them. So what do you do? You go to your neighbor, right? It's four o'clock in the morning. You're ringing the doorbell. Give me food, give me food. The guy's going, are you nuts? I just got my kids in bed. You can go to the bakery. It's gonna be open in a few hours. No, I want food now. You're ringing the doorbell. And Jesus said, not because of their friendship, because they weren't friends after that, <laughs> but because of his persistence, he got what he was asking for. Does that sound balanced to you? Okay, what about safety? I can remember when we were touring in Iraq and I met a church planner there. And he was a, you know, your typical church planner. He had a bulletproof vest, a machine gun. And uh, he had his two bodyguards with machine guns and he would go to visit pastors. And I'm going, wow, that's pretty full on, you know? <laughs> He's like the church planner with the machine gun. And... Um, I can remember when we were there, I'm there with my band, with my sons, we're getting ready to preach on the streets in Iraq, and I can remember saying, God, where's my bodyguard? You know, here's this pastor with his, with his bulletproof vest and his machine guns, where's my bodyguard? And I felt like God said to me, David, you can have that if you want, or you can have me. Acts 4.29, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is not balance. So they went to Paul. They're going, Paul, you can't be, a, you know, you can't be an apostle. You're not qualified. So how did Paul defend himself? How did, what was his defense for being an apostle? This is what he said. I worked harder than anyone else. I was in more times in prisons, countless beatings, often near death, five times whipped 39 times, three times beaten with rods. Once they threw rocks at me until they thought I was dead. Three, three times I was shipwrecked, a nate, a night and day adrift at sea, frequent journeys, dangers in rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, in toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold. And then he says, <laughs> I think this is the funny part. And he says, and apart from all of that, I had to daily deal with the churches. Balanced people don't change the world. Nothing significant happens with balance. Yes, capacity is a gift. For absolutely. 
I couldn't, uh, you know, I, would, I, I was having one time my annual physical and the doctor said, there's something wrong with your heart. You need to go to a cardiologist, get your heart checked. So people were saying to me, this is a sign, David. You got to have more balance. You got to slow down. You know, you, this is, you just need to take it more easy. And, you know, and I thought, okay, you know, I, I, I don't want to be arrogant to think, you know, my, my health and all of that, it, it's up to God. But I was, before I, I went to this heart doctor, I started, I was praying. I'm saying, Lord, it's up to you, you know, what I do. But I don't want to slow down. And if you can, if it's okay with you, I'd like to not have to cut back. I'd like to do more for you. But it, you know, that's, that's in your hands. So I go to the cardiologist, and he checks my heart. And I said, so do I have to slow down? And he goes, no, you don't have to slow down. You can go harder than you've, you've already gone if you want, and you can drink all the coffee you want to. You, see, you know, you, you, your capacity can grow, but you have to be willing for it to grow. You know, so, so many people will just stay at the same level in terms of what they can handle because they're not willing to be pushed. They're not willing to be sore. They're not willing to, to allow God to grow their capacity. True life begins when I live an unbalanced life. Honestly, that's when true life begins. That's when I started to experience the amazing relationship I could have with Jesus. That's when I started to hear his voice. That's when I started to, to, to start to think, you know what? He can, e he can even use somebody like me. That's when I started to, to believe that God could actually do things that I never had saw him do before. That's when I stopped putting myself in a little box and, and started thinking of myself in a certain way because I started to understand that it's not who I am, it's who Jesus is. I never really understood that before. We live in such a celebrity culture, Christian culture today. And I started to understand it's not who I am, it's who Jesus is. And because of who Jesus is, there aren't, there's no limits. There's nothing he can't do in my life if I'm willing. There are no closed doors for Jesus. There's only the price you are willing to pay. What price are you willing to pay? What makes your life extraordinary is what you do with your free time. That's when things start to change. When you start to go, I am not, I refuse to continue like this anymore. They were, they, when they looked at the apostles and they were going, what is it with these guys? How come they're, they have such authority? Why? And then they notice in Acts 4.13, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. This is the key to everything. 
when you start to really be spend time with Jesus, when you really start to cry out to him, when you really start to say, I got to know you more. I can't do nice, you know, like uh, nice fo- little religious prayer times. This is something else. This is like the man going to the house at midnight demanding bread. God, I say I have to I gotta see a breakthrough. I got to know you more. When you start to experience this, the unbalanced life is a, will happen to you. You will become less balanced. And people, you'll start to, because you'll see with God, nothing is impossible. Maybe it's all the balance that exists in the church today. Maybe that's the reason the world keeps slipping further and further away from God. So my challenge to you tonight is don't, don't receive, don't receive it. You were called to a race. Every single one of us is called to a race. And we are not called to finish the race. We're called to win the race. Before you were born, when you were in your mother's womb, you were created for good works in advance. Receive those good works. Cry out to Jesus. Stop putting yourself in a box and start to have a revelation. Let him bring this revelation into your heart of what it means to be his son, to be his daughter, and impossible dreams will start to well up in your heart. Let's, can we all stand? Lord, thank you that this is true. It's more true than I can even imagine, Lord. When I look back at my life, and I think about the things that you've allowed me to see, to experience, I'm amazed, Lord. I, I'm overwhelmed. I, I really, it's, it's more than I can even comprehend, Lord. For you, nothing is impossible. And you see that there is such a great harvest and there are so few workers. Well, Lord, look at, look at the men and women here tonight. Lord, let them be unbalanced. Undomesticate us, Lord. Don't let us be numbed. Don't let us waste any time, any more time. I think there's probably some people here tonight need to do what, what has God called us to do, actually, when we were more living in New Zealand, more full-time. When my sons were in college here, uh, when... We decided we were, we were going to just go into the bush, into the forest at night and have all-night prayer meetings. So uh, my sons and I would go out into the, at night, we'd make these bonfires and we'd start having these all-night prayer meetings. We'd pray for each other, started praying for their friends, started praying for our community, drink, then we'd, you know, drink some energy drinks and run around the woods and, and then we'd go back and pray some more. Whew. Things started happening. Stain, things started happening. Pretty soon we had a 
Someone said, oh, I think we should get a big, God wants to give us a big marquee, a big tent. So we started praying, God, give us a big tent. God gave us a big tent. God, we need a big stage to put in the tent. Someone from the local lumberyard said, you want some wood? Here you go. God, we need a truck to haul everything around. God provided that. We started having these big events on the Capity Coast. Hundreds of, of their friends started coming. People were coming to Jesus. God was doing miracles because a group of high school kids went out to the forest at night and said, I am not satisfied to just play games. Or when I was in university and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And so I started to go for long walks. And it wasn't beautiful warm weather like this. It was in the United States and Minnesota where it's very cold. And I would go for these long walks in the freezing cold. And I started crying out to Jesus. I'd go to a coffee shop, get out my Bible and read it. Wrestle with it. Jesus, what do you want to do with my life? God called me to Europe. That's where I met my wife, Jody. Where our sons were born in Amsterdam. And it began this journey that has not stopped for 40 years. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And just when you think, it's, you know, it's like, whoa, it can't get any more intense. It gets more. He says, all right, let's go into deeper water. Yes, and that's how it's supposed to be until you take your last breath. Do not buy this domesticated kind of Jesus. It will suck away your life, your passion. It will take away the reason you were put on this planet, the reason that God has you here, the purpose for your life. So Lord, we say yes to you. We say yes to you, Lord. Your plans, not mine. I don't want to be balanced, Lord. I want to be so filled with your spirit that I will not be able to live anything but in, in, the, in the radical way that you've created me to live. And I pray for everyone here that they will experience that as well. That they will know what it is, what step you're asking them to take. And I know that you will show them. In Jesus' name, amen. You can sit down. Does anyone want to ask me any questions? Or ask Jody, any questions you want to ask? Fear? Um, fear is not like people will say to me, you know, can you pray for me that I won't be afraid? And I think that's the wrong prayer. I think you need to pray, God, help me to obey you even when I am afraid. You know, Paul said he came with weakness and with much fear and trembling. And so if you're thinking, um, if you're feeling insecure, if you're feeling like, I don't know what to say, um, I feel inadequate, you're, you're qualified. You have everything you need for God to use you. So what you need to do is say, Jesus, help me to, take, to obey you even when I am afraid. But here's the thing. 
God is a good father and he's not gonna ask you to go from, you know, he's not gonna ask you to go from here and then say, go preach in Iraq, you know? He, it's, he, he asks, it's steps that you can take. He's a good father. So it'll be something like, all right, I want you to go to that person at the bus stop and talk to them about Jesus. You know what I mean? Or someone at your school or at your work. It's gonna be a step you can take. You're gonna feel anxious about it. You're not, you're not gonna to wanna to do it, but you just do it, okay? There, you know, it's like, people are gonna laugh at me, but they're laughing at me already, so I might as well do it, right? And you do it, and you know, this is the other thing here. People think, oh, people in New Zealand, they don't, I hear this too. Oh, people here aren't interested in God. It's not true, they are. They are interested in God. We just need to start talking about him, but not in a weird way, you know what I mean? Like not, not, not in, a, in a normal way, but telling them, hey, because so many people, they just think, you know, they just, they've been told their whole life they're an accident. You know, it's like, I remember this, this, uh, this guy who was, who was attacked by a shark, and he was like, you know, the shark took a piece of his leg, and he was wanting, he felt sorry for the shark, because his whole life he was told he's no different. You know, he has no, no more value. And, and so, man, I say to people, you know how valuable you are? You're not, a, you're not an accident. You're important. You weren't created by some explosion in the sky. Look how beautiful you are. How could you be an accident? And when people hear that, it's like, what? And then you say, and here's how I know that you're not an accident. He's this creator that made this beautiful country of New Zealand that is one of the most beautiful countries on the planet, this creator, so beautiful, he sent part of himself to the earth to show us how much he loves us. And he, sent, he, he took all the evil on himself so that I could know this creator again. People hear this message, they wanna know about it. We just need to start telling them. But this fear thing is always gonna be there. And so it's not that the fear is taken away. It's more about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, you know? Okay, I'm fearful, but I'm going to do it. And God is good. He'll help you to take the step if you're willing to take it. And then you can take another step and another step. The, the reason that David could face Goliath is he remembered how God helped him with the sheep, right? So Goliath is coming. The way you're going to face him is by looking after the sheep. And also, you're not called to just be able to face Goliath. You're called to defeat Goliath. That's what you're called to. Not just survive, but you got to take the steps to get there. One step, just the next step. And that's how it goes. That's how it works. Any other questions? Jesus would ask, well, yeah, yeah. We have a YouTube channel called Is There More? And we, have, we make uh, videos for, with that very purpose. They, they're, they're, they're for people who are outside of the church and where we ask questions to get, peop, to, start, to get people thinking. But I think we need to not just ask questions. I think we also need to tell them. You know, we need to, to I think there's too much question asking actually today and not we need to we need an old school Jesus movement again you know I really do I think 
and I'm not sure how God, I mean, the, most of you don't even know about the Jesus movement because it happened before you were born. But there was a time when, when in the 70s, and I don't know if it was in the 80s here, I'm not sure, but where Jesus was on the streets and people were not ashamed of him. People were very relevant in their communication. And that's what we got to do again. We need to, we need to know the music of the people that are out there and start learning it and communicating like Jesus would. And then they were bold about it. They weren't apologizing for it. And we're too apologetic. We need to quit being like that. We need to start. And yeah, the, it's gonna, you're going to have some people laugh at you and you're going to have some people not like it. But, but if you're not doing it in a, in a religious motivated way and you're doing it because you really care about people, you know, if you really, and that's where you need to start too is, God, let me care about people. Let me cry for my neighbors again. You know, let me cry for my friends at school again, my friends at work. And then when he, he'll for sure answer that prayer because he cares so much about them. So when I start to, to ask him for his heart, he'll give it to me. And then when I talk to them, they'll understand. It's not like I have to do it perfectly. You know, it's like I got to say everything just right. That's another lie we believe. You know, what if I don't say it just perfectly? Oh, who cares? Just do it. Right? Just do it. Take a step. And that's when it all becomes alive. That's when it becomes real. I believe God is raising up a new missionary movement to reach this lost generation for Jesus. We've seen some exciting growth in our mission around the world with bold men and women desperately seeking God, creatively bringing the gospel to thousands of young people every year and investing in discipleship relationships with people who have never been part of a church, bridging the gap between the church and the global youth culture. We're praying for an unstoppable move of God, marked by the clear, unashamed, unreserved, revolutionary preaching of the good news on every street, university, club, festival, every corner of our cities. And you can be part of that. We want to invite you to join our 2020 Steiger Impact Actions. It's a short-term opportunity where you can join our Steiger teams around the world to impact global cities. In June, we have a Steiger Impact Action reaching Amsterdam. In July, we'll have three days impact in Kiev, Ukraine. In August, the Steiger Impact invites you to join our Polish team to go to the Poland Rock Festival, the largest open air festival in Europe, and participate in the two-day Global Youth Summit in East Germany. In September, we'll be reaching central London with the Steiger Mission School. So join us at one of these or all of them to find out more at our Steiger website and follow us on social media. You'll be joining our, our teams that are already out doing this on the street. Uh, and also, we, I, you should check out our uh, podcast, Provoke and Inspire podcast. Do we have that slide? So you should check that out. Uh, again, we talk about what does it mean? How do you follow Jesus in, a, in this secular humanistic world that we live in today? So you should check that out. We have a lot of interesting guests on there. Uh, like I was saying in the, in the meetings this morning, we had... Our, one of our recent guests was Shane Claiborne, who's a, he's an, a radical social activist in Philadelphia, and he actually takes automatic weapons, melts them down, and turns them into garden tools. He's a really a radical guy, and really, yeah, anyway, you should listen to that podcast. But we have a lot of cool people on our podcast, but 
uh, yeah, check that out. Thanks for coming. We have some of our crew here that'll talk to you. If you want to know more, there's books back there. You, you, can, you can take a book if you want. They're not for sale, but if you can leave a donation, that's great. It's been really good to be at BBC. Again, it's been a real, um, it's, it's something I always look forward to, and I'm so grateful for the support that we receive from all of you. So thank you.